1: Head over to homethreads.com slash D I J F Y, short for dinner not I
0: Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Home Threads,
1: love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D I J F Y today to get 15% off your first order. Armoire makes getting dressed easy with a clothing rental membership from Armoire.
0: Holiday baking season is upon us, and, well, we're tired.
1: (laughs) So tired. But at the same time, more than ever, we're longing for connectedness and holiday rituals that bring us closer together.
0: While these things may seem at odds, we're here to tell you that they aren't, thanks to brands like Oregon Fruit that help make holiday baking easier.
1: For over 85 years, bakers have trusted Oregon Fruits' canned cherries, berries, and specialty fruit for its quality and delicious results. We join them for all of that and unparalleled convenience. Oregon Fruit is everything you dream of in a grocery store shortcut. It
0: saves you time and effort without any sacrifice of quality or flavor.
1: In fact, it elevates your baking. How else can you bake with red tart cherries, canned with just two simple ingredients, cherries and water, that are also non-GMO project verified, contain zero high fructose corn syrup, and compacting cans with BPA-free linings.
0: And hey, Though we're all about making holiday baking easy, longtime listeners know that we also love using Oregon fruit in our savory cooking and, of course, cocktails.
1: We've got Instagram evidence to prove it. We sure do. Join us in stocking our holiday pantries with Oregon fruit. You can find them at your local grocery store and online at walmart.com or Amazon.
2: the concept of comfort food, which is the theme of this book, couldn't be more appropriately timed, right? We're all looking for comfort food at the moment. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi,
1: I'm Stacy,
0: And I'm Megan. This week's episode is our annual Best Cookbooks of the Year with Brian of Salt and Spine Podcast. This is our third year having Brian come on the show. So maybe this is a good reminder that if you didn't know we do an annual cookbook episode, you should subscribe right now where you're listening so you can listen to past episodes and of course not miss anything new coming up this holiday season and if you find yourself with an extra minute go ahead and leave us a rating or a review those ratings really help other people busy parents and home cooks find us
1: okay so can i tell you what i love most about this episode every year yes that i feel like there are all these parenting publications that do the best XYZ for parents, and they come at it with a parenting lens, and that's awesome and very important. And then there are like specialty industries like the food publications, and they are like best cookbooks of the year, and they're coming at it from a very food professional point of view. So I love that Brian is a cookbook expert, and I really talk him up in the (laughs) interview. (laughs) <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> how can you not didn't so him? i'm like you're basically the king of cookbooks yeah he's like i don't know about that but anyway so he knows a ton about cookbooks for his podcast salt and spine so he's not just stays on top of releases but actually does deep dives into them and puts so much thought into who he invites on the podcast and then gets into deep conversations with the authors but also he's a parent and when he comes on to our podcast, we're like, no, 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 not just the best cookbooks of the year, the best cookbooks for parents. So I feel like this episode brings it all together where you're getting food expertise and parenting, which is kind of like the whole thing behind it. I just beat you. So it's just right? an exciting way to put that lens on cookbooks specifically.
0: Since we're talking about cookbooks and we're tooting Brian's horn, can we also toot your horn? Can I borrow your horn?
1: Toot it, toot it,
0: toot it, toot it. (laughs) Because I didn't make the interview with Brian. I had some personal stuff going on that day. But I did listen to the interview and you guys did not talk at all about my favorite cookbook. Of the year, which is Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner, your cookbook that came out this year. I
1: know. You know, it's funny because, you know, you and I both check our email and you saw that, you know, Brian and I emailed about it afterwards. He's like, I didn't want to pander. I was like, no, I know. Like, it's just too weird. You're like, I didn't want this to be about self promotion. I was like, don't (laughs) worry. Megan and I will pander to me (laughs) in the wraparound. It's true. You know, listen. We talk, actually, do we talk about it enough? I don't know. Probably for our audience, but (laughs) we talk about the book. I knew we'd have an opportunity to plug the book. It's certainly the book that I reach for most. And it's very funny because my family was making fun of me the other day because they were like, do you do that as, (laughs)
0: that never happens. I will not tolerate that, (laughs) Stacey. I will not.
1: I mean, it was, it was a multi-pronged like poking fun of mom thing too. Cause they were like, first of all, really like you're just going to constantly cook from your own book. And then also they're like, why don't you know your recipes by heart? I was like, I won't answer either of those things.
0: Isn't it like, a ton of recipes, though? I want to say it's 75, but maybe it's It's more than that. It's
1: 50. It's 50 recipes. And I don't know. Like, I have a lot of recipes in my head. They get jumbled together. I'm getting old. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot happening, Between
0: two books, your work at (laughs) Cool Mom Eats, your work here. Like, how could you be expected to keep so many recipes straight? Sometimes people, like, text me links, and they're like... I was searching for how to cook brown rice in the Instant Pot and your name came up. And I'm like, I wrote about brown rice in the Instant Pot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to go back and like read and see what I said and...
1: Listen, we've been up, doing so. this a long time, Megan. A lot. We've, we've been at like game. We've been playing the game.
0: Recipes. So I just I wanted to say that before we introduce Brian and get started, that Winner Winner Chicken Dinner is an excellent cookbook to give your busy parent friends this year. I find it to be just like a super valuable resource, even when I'm like, oh, what's a like good temperature to roast chicken thighs at, or like, yes, how do I add rice to this? Yeah, it's just such a good. I mean, you know, I,
1: it's really like the kind of book that you keep on your counter and that I what I really want <laughs> is that when you don't meal plan, which, you know, we're all about meal planning, but I really wanted it to be that cookbook that solved a problem when you're most stressed. So I know people just like, well, just buy chicken because you're like, I don't know, right. like I'll make something with chicken. I think that's a really common move and that you could just grab a book that doesn't have like an overwhelming number of recipes, but also enough that there's variety and there's every single cut has an option for several quick dinners that you can go through. So you can just be like, ah, I have chicken breast. What can I make? So that is what I use it for the most for myself. But you know, it's one of those funny things that we've talked about this before. You write a cookbook. It takes forever you develop a recipe, like you put it in your manuscript, you hand it off, and then it's like a year and a half later, you see your book and you're like, oh, my God, I hope that recipe is good. Like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I'm scared. So sometimes I'll make something I haven't made in a while. And I'm like, please be good, please be good, please be good. And like, I'm pretty happy with myself this time around. So, you know, it's just a fun, Yeah, I think it's book. like the
0: Plague of Cookbook authors. Was it Claire who You know, she did gourmet makes with Bon Appetit for so long, and she has a new cookbook out. She was like, I made a recipe, and I didn't trust my own recipe, and I tried something, like, a little bit different, and it didn't work. Yeah. And now I regret <laughs> ever doubting myself. I know. So it this becomes, is just a whole lesson in self-love
1: right it now. It is self-love. Buy winner, winner, chicken dinner coming straight from the chicken lady's mouth. <laughs> And now we're going to talk to Brian Stewart about other cookbooks. So if you guys don't know already, I mentioned this, but he is the host of Salt and Spine Podcast, where Brian fosters deeper conversations about food and recipes, how they impact our lives with the writer and cookbook authors. Featuring interviews with leading authors, Salt and Spine explores the art and craft of cookbooks, looking at both new and vintage cookbooks and the inspirations behind them, the compelling people who create them, and the impact they all have on home cooks and the culinary world. Brian, this is my favorite episode of the year. I feel like you have your finger on the pulse of every single new cookbook. And if that's not true, don't break my little fantasy about it. I feel like you're (laughs) the cookbook king. And I will ask you at the end to talk about just some of your personal favorites because that's fun and we all want to know. But this year we made some categories that might be a little bit different than the years before because <laughs> damn we some of us are really tired of cooking. So there's a lot of exhaustion. Some of us respond to that by needing inspiration, other respond by not wanting to cook at all. Some of us like me who have teenagers actually want to stop cooking so that the kids can get in the damn kitchen. Sure. So that brings me to my first category. What is the best cookbook this year for teens who need to step it up and start helping cook at home
2: more? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This is one of my favorite things to do every year too, and I appreciate all your kind words about my <laughs> my maybe obsessive tracking of all of the cookbooks that that are coming out every single week. Um, but there's so many great ones this fall as, and this year altogether, but especially this fall. And there's one that I think is really a one a real winner if you have teens who you think want to help in the kitchen more or who maybe. Don't want to help in the kitchen more, but you want them to help in the kitchen <laughs> yes. more. And it's Vivian Howard's new book. You might remember her first cookbook was Deep Run Roots, um, which was a phenomenal cookbook, really regional cookbook. And she's back with her second cookbook and it's called This Will Make It Taste Good. And I think the reason that that I picked this one for this category is because she structured it around, I think, a dozen or or 15 or so different like kitchen heroes, she calls them, or kitchen crutches. So these are little recipes that you can translate into a bunch of different other recipes, but they're basically building blocks, right? And- They're really accessible recipes. So I think for teens who are looking to get more involved in the kitchen, something like making her little green dress recipe, which is a fun way of titling her little green goddess type dressing recipe, is a really simple way to just get involved in the kitchen and understand how something like that can transform a bunch of other foods. The book is also just really beautifully designed. And I think It's been a while since i've been a teen i guess so (laughs) i don't know what appeals to teens these days but it's bright and colorful and it has these fun fonts and it has these these fun recipe names um but it's just it feels like really welcoming to someone of any age really but particularly a, a teen who might be interested in trying some things out in the kitchen One of the kitchen heroes is, she calls it R-rated onions, and it's just really beautifully caramelized onions, (laughs) which is just such an easy thing to learn how to make and such a great skill to have. And then, of course, becomes like the basis of so many other amazing, decadent dishes. So she says that she wrote this book to inspire people and that it will, will change the way you cook and think about what's in your fridge. But I think not only is it great for parents who might want some new ideas for themselves, I just think it's so accessible for teens uh, who might want to help out, too.
1: I love that. I feel like it It sounds like it will also teach them about some like basic fundamentals, not just of cooking, because I feel like a lot of cookbooks geared towards beginner cooks and teens and kids are about, here's how to chop. Here's how to, you know, cook pasta. Like, here's how to make a burrito or scramble eggs properly. But this idea of teaching the fundamentals of taste more than just cooking, where it's like, I mean, that's what caramelized onions make me think of, that like you can take this one ingredient that has like a sharp, pungent taste and make it actually taste sweet, have a huge depth of flavor that can then go on a pizza, on a tart, on like a plain piece
2: of chicken and totally transform it. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but the teens and the kids that I do know, a lot of them think they don't like onions. Yeah. Have they had caramelized onions? Have they really understood what a caramelized onion tastes like and how that incorporates into a dish? Uh, I think that could be really eye opening for a lot of young cooks.
1: That's magic. I love it. Let's go from teens to kids now. So I don't know if you have a different pick for kids who are actually excited to help. So I didn't really say this in my teen question, but when we wrote that, (laughs) I was imagining my unenthusiastic cook (laughs) 13-year-old, but my 11-year-old, who I guess it's technically a tween, but, you know, Megan has a nine-year-old and they are actually kind of excited to help and get in the kitchen. So do you have a cookbook recommendation for those kids?
2: Yes, I do. I'm actually going to give you three really fast because I think they're all really great and they hit sort of different areas that kids would be interested in. So one is just like a basic staple book for someone with kids in the house who want to cook more. And that's Melissa Clark's new book, Kid in the Kitchen, 100 Recipes and Tips for Young Home Cooks. Obviously, Melissa Clark, like prolific cookbook writer. She writes amazing cookbooks, amazing recipes. And she has a kid herself. And so she wrote this book and it's just super accessible and I think full of recipes that like kids can leaf through and pick out and decide I want to work on this with you like a guacamole recipe there's like a a french toast recipe there's a, a candied bacon recipe fudgy brownies. It's just like, you know, the recipes are going to work and be delicious because it's Melissa Clark. And you know that she's a a working mom who is churning out cookbooks, perhaps more than any other author out there. So I think that's just a really wonderful staple book to have. We've talked to Melissa and she is
1: a home cook herself. As much as she's one of my absolute favorite recipe writers and food writers of our time, she always puts on this like hat of being a busy working mom like she wants to develop flavors quickly practically using what ingredients are around so to have her as a mom and home cook expert herself thinking about what kids want to cook I think that's a super smart choice
2: yeah I mean, I love my mother, but can you imagine having Melissa Clark as your mother? <laughs> How well you would eat? <laughs> um, the second one I have is is a, a little bit of a stretch, maybe. But I think I I love this book. And I think it would be so fun for kids who are interested in helping in some way in the kitchen. And it's Pyometry is the title of the book. It's by Lauren Coe, and you may know her from her Instagram handle, Loco Kitchen. She makes these beautiful pies that maybe folks have seen before that are really geometric. So I think what what really appealed to me about this book for kids is there's so much simple cutting and assembling to make these beautiful designs of these pies, these pinwheels and these like ombre. She cuts apples or pears of different shades to do like an ombre effect. There's so much little there's so many little tasks Um, And it comes together like a piece of art and so beautifully that I think kids would just love to be involved in creating something like that. The pie recipes itself, you know, maybe a little complicated for some of the kids, but if you're working on the crust and and your kid is able to sort of help categorize the apples into different shades so that you can arrange them in an ombre effect or um, trim the pie dough into different widths so that you can make a sort of bicycle spoke design on top of the pie. Um, it's so fun. It's so beautiful. And I just, I can't imagine a kid picking this book up and not being like amazed at some of the artistic pies that exist here. And who doesn't love pie, no matter your age.
1: So we are so excited to co-sign this. We spoke with Lauren last month oh, for great. our pie episode and couldn't agree with you more. And when you first look at her Instagram account. It feels like it's going to be way too complicated. But one of our favorite things about the interview with Lauren is that she's like, no, like, I wasn't even good at math, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, like, I just started doing this and I use like a ruler and like a pizza wheel to cut things. (laughs) You know, it's just and for her, she was also explaining to us that she doesn't plan her designs ahead because when she has a plan, if, it, if the pie dough and, you know, the ingredients she's working with, the fruits that she's cutting, you know, whatever it might be, doesn't perform according to plan, she feels disappointed. But mm-hmm. she found that if she just went in and didn't have a plan and just kind of... Waited to see what would happen, <laughs> right? That then these beautiful creative things would come out of it. So I totally agree with you that it's such a fun exercise for kids. And we have the book, and I'll tell you that my 11 year old saw it and was like, oh my God, this is amazing! <laughs>
2: Oh, great. Okay, so So, I I am right on point there. Yes, totally. And what a great lesson for kids, too, her her process, right? That you can experiment and that you can try different things and that you don't need to sort of be wedded to some sort of idea of perfection and you can still see this beautiful thing come out of the oven. Totally. Okay, my third and quick one for kids who are excited to help and now have time to cook at home is maybe for younger kids. But Kenji Lopez-Alt, who, of course, wrote The Food Lab, um, and is a wonderful cookbook author, often focused on like the science behind food. Has a new kids book called Every Night is Pizza Night. It's not a cookbook per se, although it does have a pizza recipe in the book. So that's why I'm including it. It's just this wonderful illustrated book about community and food and multiculturalism, and of course, there's a pizza recipe at the end that you can then, of course, um, make and have the kids help with. Um, but he's also doing a series on the Serious Eats website to correspond with this book for recipes of all of the different foods that the main character, this young girl named Pipo, um, discovers throughout the book. So there's a whole like online component that is focused on getting kids involved in cooking too. And it's just such a beautiful, fun, little, little um, illustrated kids book about pizza and food. And uh, I love it.
1: That sounds lovely. And I'm going to just quickly say that you are redeeming us, Brian. Because
2: <laughs> Why is that?
1: <laughs> we did a little mini episode where basically, you know, sometimes you just got to rant and like,
2: <laughs> sure. we
1: tried to not be petty about it and to pay our due respect. But every once in a while, there are just these pieces in the media where, you know, food writers who were food writers before they come, become parents
2: mm-hmm. have
1: a their first kid and then start writing (laughs) articles about (laughs) parenting and food as experts because they are. They're food experts. And now they're also parents. And we always say here that all parents are experts, certainly on their own kids. You know, we don't like to tell people what to do. We know they know what's best. But every once in a while, there's an article that's like, oh, you need to do is this. And then your child will eat cocoa van." (laughs) And you're like, oh, my God, you need to stop and give me a break. Like, that's not how... (laughs) That's not how it works. So we had a little bit of a rant, and his name may have come up. Uh, we did also say that we absolutely adore and love him, and he also is one of the great food writers, recipe developers of our
2: time. Yeah.
1: But now and we one are One thing also I love redeemed. about
2: this book is it's not it's not a recipe book. It, it has the pizza recipe, but the the message and the story is really about this main character, this young, this young girl understanding or discovering all sorts of different foods, different foods with cultural ties. Um, and so it's really sort of centered in this idea of like exploration and having fun with food. So I love that.
1: That sounds beautiful. Before we dive in with more of Brian's selections, let's hear from
0: this week's sponsor. An alarming number of today's kids leave home without knowing how to do their own laundry, use a debit card, or even address an envelope.
1: And we know many of them don't know how to cook for themselves either. So parenting writer and Real Simple columnist, Katherine Newman, decided to help with her new book, How to Be a Person, 65 Hugely Useful, Super Important Skills to Learn Before You're
0: Grown Up. Illustrated in full color, graphic novel style, how to be a person teaches kids 10 and up important skills that empower them to gain independence and to be helpful members of their families and communities.
1: Okay, Megan. True story here. The book was released in May, right as I was hitting a breaking point with quarantine and remote school. I had asked my boys to clean their bathroom and ended up spending more time teaching them than it would have taken for me to just clean it myself. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that I had to reteach them the next time I asked them to clean the bathroom.
0: I remember this and how hard I laughed when you told me that you bought (laughs) two copies of How to Be a Person.
1: Yes, each one needed their own copy. And guess what? I've never had to teach them how to clean the bathroom again. Do they do a good job? (laughs) Megan, Catherine isn't a magician. (laughs) But her humorous writing pulled them in and encouraged them to learn new skills. And watching them do that during this challenging time has also reminded me that giving kids purpose and tools to succeed makes them feel happier and less bored in the end. Grab your copy of How
0: to Be a Person, which makes a fantastic holiday gift, wherever you purchase your books. And if you want an exclusive discount, check our show notes to buy your copy directly from Workman Publishing and get 20% off any purchase made before December 31st,
2: 2020.
1: Hey, before we jump back in, a quick reminder that we've partnered with our friends at Clean Plates to share our most sanity-saving holiday cooking and eating tips. Check our show notes or our Instagram bio to sign up for their newsletter and to get all of our hot takes along with tons of recipe inspiration. Okay. We went from teens to kids. Let's circle it back to parents. Okay. Talked about our exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So what is the best cookbook this year for parents who need to make cooking just simpler, easier? Because, oh my gosh, if we have to cook one more thing, we might explode.
2: Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you two. I I love both of these. The first, I think, is... uh, A traditional pick, maybe, or a popular pick, we could say, which is Ina Garten's new book, Modern Comfort Food. You can't go wrong with an Ina Garten book. And I think she really, her recipes, we know they work. Like, she's, we trust her recipes. They're going to turn out. They're, most of the time, very accessible and easy. And I think they're just really... Simple and delicious. A lot of the time, she has smashed hamburgers with caramelized onions in this book. She has cheddar and chutney grilled cheese sandwiches, Yum. which yeah pair great with like her. Um, There's tomato soup or tomato bisque recipe in the yeah. book too. It's just another great Ina book to add to your collection if you're an Ina Garten fan, and I think really the concept of comfort food, um, which is the theme of this book, couldn't be more appropriately timed, right? We're all looking for comfort food at the moment. Say that again.
1: So I have to tell you, I don't know if she has a recipe for this in her book, but I made meatloaf for the very first time recently.
2: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah.
1: Very first time. I grew up my parents are both from Greece. Like Uh meatloaf is just not like something that was in our, you know, in their repertoire. Sure. But I was like, if I'm going to make meatloaf, where should I start? Like who's going to have a simple enough version, but that I know is also going to work and be totally delicious and not necessarily sophisticated, but just like a very like simple, elevated version of a classic. And I went to Ina Because just like you were saying, that's what she's great for. And it was delicious.
2: Of course. Yeah. You can't go wrong. You know, there's another recipe in her new book, which is so simple. And she's not the first person to do it. Cooking hash browns in a waffle iron. Just so smart. And just what we need right now.
1: Yes. in the
2: fall of 2020. Waffle. I'm gonna make, I'm hash gonna make that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: okay, you said you had two picks. What's I do. One? I
2: have another one that I love that I think is even more geared towards the the simplicity and the easier, which is a new book from Sarah Copeland, who I love and who we've had on Salt and Spine before, and it's called Instant Family Meals. So these are all recipes that she's created that are specifically designed for your Instant Pot or a different type of pressure cooker or sometimes a slow cooker um, as well. But she is also a mother, a working mother. She Her first cookbook was called Every Day is Saturday and is also a wonderful cookbook. I just love this concept of, and, and of course, again, she's not the first person to do a cookbook that's focused on the Instant Pot, but I think her recipes are just so wonderful. There's a brothy beef stew with dill in here that looks so good. There's a red curry shrimp with basil and lime, and even some desserts. There's a double chocolate cheesecake that you can do in the multi-cooker. So all of these instant meals that are one pot, no fuss, like throw them into your instant pot and have dinner ready. I think is just like the perfect resource for families in this moment.
1: And knowing Sarah, it's probably an absolutely gorgeous cookbook, too. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Everything she does is beautiful.
1: Everything she does is so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. We all know everybody was all about sourdough. Uh There's also the banana bread phase of quarantine. (laughs) Yes. So lots of people have been looking to baking more than they have before to get them through. So what's the best cookbook this year for cooks who are really leaning into baking?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with a book that maybe sounds a little niche, but I think is the one that you want to have this year. It's called A Hundred Cookies is the title, and it's by Sarah Kiefer.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited about this.
2: I love this book. Um, And I've been a fan of Sarah Kiefer's for a while because maybe it was even on The Kitchen. She published a recipe online, The Kitchen or New York Times or somewhere for her Crinkled chocolate chip cookies years ago, and I made them when they were sort of um, were going viral and were buzzy, and they continue to be one of my favorite chocolate chip cookie recipes to date. And so I was so excited to see she was doing this book, and it's called Hundred Cookies, but it also has recipes in here for brownies, for bars, for other sorts of treats. So it's not purely cookies, but I do think there's something about Cookies and and brownies and and that sort of treat and dessert that just really speaks to this moment. I mean, a tray of chocolate chip cookies when you're homeschooling or when you know it's just been a, a rough week um, is perfect. They're also really great for gifting. You know, we're yes. in a time when we can't really get together with people, but how easy is it to package up? a platter of cookies or a tray of brownies and drop it off on your neighbor's porch so that they have some sweet treats as well. She has a whole chapter in here on her tray banging cookies and there's variants. Um, So if you're a fan of those, you're going to love this book. She's got pan banging ginger molasses cookies, which look so amazing and I can't wait to try those. Olive oil sugar cookies with a blood orange glaze. So s'mores good. cookies. I, I just love every recipe And you in this know, book. for my
1: 11-year-old's birthday in October, he asked me to make the pan-banging version. I think they're called the s'mores. They're basically yeah. her chocolate chip cookie, but rolled in graham cracker crumbs with a marshmallow torched right. on top. And they were amazing. Both of my kids said that they were the best cookie they've ever had.
2: I, they're so good. And to tell you just how good they are, we just talked about Ina Garten's new book, Modern Comfort Food. In her dessert section, she just includes straight up the recipe for Sarah Kiefer's pan-banging chocolate chip cookies that's and amazing. credits her, of course. But Ina says that she hasn't found a better chocolate chip recipe. So I think she just called up Sarah Kiefer and said, can I put your recipe in my book? So that's another testament to how wonderful ah, her, her baking recipes I are. Be
1: All right, I know, I know. I'm waiting for my call. <laughs> yes, The <laughs> so next someday. time you do a chicken cookbook, call me.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, there are those cooks who've been leaning into baking like we just talked about, and then they're the ones who at this point in quarantine are like, enough <laughs> sugar <laughs> and baking. I really want to start eating healthier. So what cookbook should those people grab?
2: Yes, I love this book. It's It came out earlier this year and it's called Living Lively. And it's from Haley Thomas, who is... believe in her teens um like 18 19 year old and we talked to her earlier this year and this book is full of plant-based recipes so there's 80 plant-based recipes um things like potato nachos with a green chili cheese sauce korean jackfruit sloppy jill sandwiches they're just really delectable recipes that are designed to be healthy and this came about actually because her father developed type 2 diabetes when she oh, was wow. younger. And so their whole family really worked to change how they were eating and their dietary habits. Um, and she became really interested in food and nutrition and now is is an activist of sorts and really works on a lot of policy ideas and also just sort of um, community projects around healthy eating. And this is her first cookbook. And it's just there's beautiful vegan recipes. And it's written by a young person, too. So I think it really also speaks to to families with young children who are interested in sort of all together as a family eating delicious but healthy meals.
1: That sounds amazing. And also, young people are so ambitious these days. I
2: know. I can't <laughs> believe it. Was that like...
1: age. I don't know. I was probably... Blindly... <laughs> I don't even want to say what I was. Okay. (laughs) So we have the people who baked their way through quarantine and are still doing so. The people who are getting healthy. And then Mm there are the people who've been drinking their way. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Quarantine. (laughs) Listen, hey, no judgments here. So do you have a favorite cookbook of 2020 that's about mixology? Because I think the cool thing is that people aren't just like, drinking, like drowning their sorrows away. People seem to be getting into mixology, regular mixology, low and no ABV mixology. I don't know. There's just a lot of interesting stuff going around with cocktails and mocktails. So what cookbook should people who are interested in mixology grab?
2: Yeah, I'm going to give you two because I'm going to give you a cocktail book and a mocktail book. So there's a new book by Dale DeGroff. It's actually a revised version of um, his book. The New Craft of the Cocktail um, is the title of the book, The New Craft of the Cocktail. He was a, a bartender in the eight, 1980s at the Rainbow Room and really sort of reinvented what it means. Oh, he's had some good means. times. Yes, you know? really yeah. reinvented <laughs> what it means to do bartending and to really focus on the craft of the cocktail. And he first published this book back in 2002. And now, what's that, 18, 19 years later, he's he's updated it with 100 brand new recipes. It's all new photography. It's just modernized and beautiful. And I think if you're a person who's been taking up cocktails and mixology, like this is just the the ultimate resource to have at your side to really understand how drinks come together. The other one I really am really loving and really excited about is um, Good Drinks, it's called, by Julia Bainbridge. And this is a mocktail book. It's alcohol-free recipes. The title is actually Good drinks, alcohol-free recipes for when you're not drinking for whatever reason. So no judgment on what the reason is, but sometimes we're not drinking, but we want something like that. So she actually spent a summer, Julia Bainbridge, driving across the country, going to different bars and restaurants and asking mixologists, can you make like a really amazing non-alcoholic beverage that will, you know, blow me away? And collected all of these recipes. And so there's these contributions from folks all over the country, some little stories in there throughout. And... One that really just like stuck with me is this like Pimm's Crown. I love a Pimm's oh, cup. Oh
1: yes, and so I love to have a, Pimm's a cup
2: too. Yeah, so delicious, and and to have a non-alcoholic version that's just easily drinkable and really refreshing. And Pimm's is such a an interesting flavor to recreate. So to have a recipe to recreate Pimm's in a non-alcoholic way, and then make a a variant of a Pimm's cup. Um, is just such a great idea. So even something like a blackberry infused cold brew with almond milk and coconut cream. How amazing does that sound um, for a a lunchtime drink or something? So it's just a beautiful book. And the photography is like, there's close up shots of the, the cocktails in like a really modern way. I love it.
1: That sounds great. Okay. Our last, not our last question, but our last category. I feel like, (laughs) there's a lot of escapism (laughs) happening, mostly in the form of Netflix (laughs) for a lot of people, (laughs) like movies, TV shows. But what about, it's hard to even put this into a clear question, but the idea of a cookbook for someone who just wants to get lost in like stories or exploring a new cuisine or culture, maybe they'll cook from it if they're inspired to, but maybe they won't, but it's just so beautiful and easy to get lost in.
2: Yes, I have two, and I am so excited about both of them. The first one I want to talk about, let's start with this one. It's um, Marcus Samuelson's new book. It's called The Rise, Black Cooks and the Soul of American Food. So beautiful, um, wonderful. He wrote it with Osai Endolin and there's recipes from Yawande Komalafe and Tammy Cook in here. So it's a really collaborative project. But it's it's just this beautiful book, and of course we're having a moment in the country of really having conversations about race. This book was obviously produced long before that that conversation sort of came to what it was over the summer and is today. But it's really just this wonderful celebration of Black cooks and... There's profiles of, of chefs from all over the country with recipes. There's homages to famous Black chefs who are no longer living. Like there's a, a wonderful recipe in here for gumbo that's in, in honor of Leah Chase, the the wonderful New Orleans chef who, is, who passed away a while ago. Um, so it's just this beautiful celebration of Black cooks and really, I think, Folks may remember Tony Tipton Martin, who's featured in this book too, but her most recent work, her cookbook Jubilee, was also really a celebration of the role that Black cooks have played in shaping American cuisine. So I think we're really starting to see some really amazing books that celebrate the important contributions of Black cooks to shaping our culinary landscape here. And it's just, I mean, there's so many profiles and stories like you could spend days just with The Rise by Marcus Samuelson and just it's really enjoying so it. It's so
1: gorgeous.
2: Yes. And
1: truly, if you're interested in what is thought of as American cuisine, largely influenced by Southern cuisine, although, you know, there's tons of regional cuisines, but sure. so much of it is rooted in Black history in America. It's, so, yes. it's just absolutely gorgeous.
2: It's really a crucial book, and I, I really recommend people take a look at it. It's so beautiful. The other one I think is really just so easy to get lost in and spend an afternoon just reading through is um, titled In BB's Kitchen, and it's a new I cookbook. I knew
1: you were going to say this when I predicted. Yes, totally. It's beautiful. Go ahead. It's
2: so beautiful. Um and it's, it's written by Hawa Hassan with Julia Tershin. Um, And we just talked with Hawa recently um, for an upcoming episode. But what Hawa did, so Hawa um, is a Somali chef who um, came to the United States when she was, I think, seven, when she was young. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting her age right right now. But when she was young, came to the United States, she did some videos at Bon Appetit. She's done a lot of food and media work. This is her first cookbook. And what she decided to do is tell the stories and share the recipes of grandmothers from the eight African countries that uh, touch the Indian Ocean. So uh, she had photographers that went all along there to meet with these grandmothers. Um, BB is the term for grandmother, of course. And really, they're the backbone as she writes, the backbone of the spice trade. So really just delicious, um, flavor-filled recipes. And these stories of these these grandmothers have to share so much of a focus on family and community and just really a beautiful book to just immerse yourself in, but also to cook from too.
1: It's so beautiful. And anyone who, certainly like me, learned to cook, and really found a passion for food by just being in my grandmother's kitchen. It's very emotional too. It's very beautiful. Yeah. I love all your picks. I'm so excited. But you know, we got to wrap up with some like unexpected because we gave okay. you those categories <laughs> ahead of time so you could prep, of course. Because yes. you know, like I said earlier, you know every single cookbook in my mind. So,
2: <laughs> And I'm a prepper, so <laughs> I right, can prepare. A, a
1: couple of like, a couple of just questions that aren't like curveballs, but I just wanted to like, you know, let's do like a quick fire kind of thing. Got what it. cookbook from last year are you still using all the time this
2: year? Hmm. You know, this is always a hard one because the books that I use the most, I tend to forget when they came out.
1: Yes. So okay. I'm like, oh, so did that to- came
2: out in fall 2019? Or was that like spring 2020? I'm like, so what I'm are you cooking from place most so lately I've been cooking a lot from Repertoire by Jessica Batalana, which I know did not come out this year. That came out in fall of 2019, but I think is just it, it has become one of my like absolute staple cookbooks. I love all of the recipes in there. They're so accessible. You know what did come out this year that I've cooked quite a bit from that I've been loving is... Um, Gabby Dalkin's new cookbook. Oh, yeah. It's called Eat What You Want. Yes. Um, And that came out in the spring. And I just, I love all of Gabby's recipes. She's so wonderful. If you're a follower of her on Instagram, she's so fun to follow. Um, But all her recipes are just, they have that sort of like California craveability is I think the term we like to use about it. Lots of avocado, lots of like big delicious salads and pasta recipes. I just made a few weeks ago, a uh, recipe of hers for uh, a... Chi- it's a chicken Parmesan pasta, I think a pappardelle. that's so good. It uses ground chicken and, and mimics the flavors of a uh, chicken Parmesan in a pasta dish. So delicious. So I've been, I've been loving that one.
1: You know, her books always remind me of summer. I always pull it out in the summertime, but then... Yes. I hit this point every winter, like somewhere at the end of January, early February, where I'm so done with like, you know, late fall, early winter stuff. And I'm like, I just need a taste of sunshine. And that would be the perfect book to pull out for that, for that moment.
2: Yes, especially right now when we're all staying at home and we just want to like pretend we're on a beach somewhere. We can sort of do that with Goppy's recipes. Pretending hard. Yes.
1: And I also think of her as like being a margarita, chips and guac kind of girl. So Oh,
2: totally. Yes. We had a whole conversation with her about guacamole because she wrote her first cookbook was all avocado recipes. And she did so much recipe testing, she developed an allergy to avocados. No
1: way. I never heard that story.
2: Yeah, it was temporary. She can eat avocados again. But she ate so many (laughs) writing that first avocado book that she had to stop (laughs) for a while.
1: I'm like, this is it. This is 2020. Uh, If it ends with me learning that Galbi Dalkin can't eat avocados, (laughs) it just... (laughs) Well, she can now, but yes. (laughs) Okay, one last question before we say goodbye. And it has to do with podcasts because we know you're a podcaster. We are huge, huge fans of Salt and Spine. It's a fantastic podcast. We're going to tell everybody about it in our wraparound and we'll have links and all of that good stuff. But what podcasts have you been listening to most this year? And it doesn't have to be about food.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been listening to a lot of news podcasts, uh-huh. a lot of politics podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I wonder <laughs> why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard not to right? but I have been listening a lot to like the daily and some of the political podcasts so that those would be like probably my go-tos if I'm just like in the car for a little bit and need to listen to something. Yes. If you do want a food one, you know who, I, who I've who i been really enjoying is um, Kat Kinsman hosts Food and Wines podcast oh, called yeah. Communal Table. And she's just such a great interviewer. She's so conversational. And I, I just feel like so at ease listening to her conversations with oftentimes cookbook authors, which is often why I'm listening to to learn more about what they're working on, but just with food personalities too, not exclusively with cookbook authors. So um, that's a great podcast, but if you need a break and then of course, Oh, how could I not say home cooking from Samin Nosrat and Rishi. And also they get lots of questions from like kids who are interested in cooking they have a call-in segment, right. For, for people who need advice. And they often are getting questions of like, we're like kids at home and not in doing virtual school and like, yes. what can we make for lunch? And like, and I mean, Samine is just such a wonderful cookbook author, but also it turns out wonderful podcast host too. So it is not surprising. One. She is <laughs> so
1: completely full of joy, like I overflowing know. with joy and food knowledge in a way that just makes you want to like jump in the kitchen. You know, exactly. some people know a ton about food and it's kind of intimidating, And then she's just like, yes, let's do it. Like, let's go in the kitchen and cook. So that is a great note to end on. That and the fact that I, too, am a regular listener of The Daily. And literally just the other day, I texted a friend of mine and said, it's kind of pathetic that I want my news podcast to be longer because it's the only (laughs) time of the day where I put in my AirPods and I have the AirPods Pro where I can do the noise canceling. And I literally block everybody in my house out. (laughs) My kids are remote school. My husband's here remote working. And like every time the daily ends, I'm like, just give me a little bit more news. (laughs) Just (laughs) escape a little more. Not that the news is much of an escape
2: these days. Well, you know, if you need more political and news podcast recommendations, I'm happy to send you more.
1: (laughs) We'll talk. We'll (laughs) talk. If you really want them. (laughs) Okay. Brian, thank you so much. Favorite episode of the year, 2020, wrapped up. We did it again. Cannot wait to have you back for 2021, where I hope all the categories have to (laughs) do with absolute jubilation and joy. (laughs) Fingers crossed.
2: I hope so too. This was so much fun. It's always so fun (laughs) to talk with you. Thank you.
0: Okay, so if you're not already subscribe to Brian's podcast, Salt and Spine, I hope that you'll go do it right now because not only obviously is he like the king of cookbook selections and recommendations, but he also did a really cool series this year where he dove deep into some of the like racial social implications of who gets to write cookbooks. And it was just so incredibly beautiful. Um, So we want to support him in that way. And then also like go check out all these links and put all of (laughs) these books in your shopping cart. Hopefully we get this out soon enough that you could order from your local indie bookstore and we'll put a couple places where you can buy online too to support small bookstores as well.
1: Okay, so before we sign off Megan, do you have one Brian pick that you already own and you're like hell yes and then one Brian pick that you don't own that you're really wanting to put to your own shopping cart?
0: Yes. Okay. Sarah Kiefer's 100 Cookies, I have baked from it so much this year. It's like every cookie and bar recipe that you could ever want or need in your entire life. And sometimes the recipes feel like a little long, but they're just super detailed so that you get everything right and each cookie turns out perfectly every single time. So that's my recommendation of like something I already have and love and would never even give away my (laughs) copy. And then... Julia Bainbridge is an author who I know from Atlanta. She's just like such a great voice. She actually had a podcast for a little bit. And now I'm like forgetting the name of it. But it was kind of like about being lonely and the idea of loneliness and like how that is both good and bad, showing both sides of it. So I I am really interested to take a peek at her Good Drinks, which is that alcohol-free cocktail book that Brian recommended. What about you? Do you have recommendations
1: from this year? So definitely Sarah Kiefer, 100 Cookies. I mean, I love, love that book. And you know I'm not a huge baker. So that's the one that I give a big thumbs up to. And I can't wait to grab Vivian Howard's This Will Make It Taste Good. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was such a genius idea for teens because it's not a, it's not like a kid's cookbook, In quote. It's sort of a way of, helping younger people understand the fundamentals of taste and cooking in a way that sounds really exciting. So I don't know. I You know, listen, Isaac has been very clear with me that he's not into cooking very much. And the good thing is, if he doesn't love it, I think that I will love this cookbook too. So money will not be wasted.
0: Yes, win, <laughs> win, win. <laughs>
1: I can just try with him. That's all, Megan. I can just try. But with the rest of you guys, I can try to help you make sure that you're subscribed to our newsletter. Hello. Every week we send out an exclusive recipe and also our product pick of the week that we love. So introducing you guys to new like products and foods and ingredients, you can subscribe at didn't I just feed you.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio.
0: Hey, speaking of Instagram, you can find us there and on Facebook as at didn't I just feed you. Just keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is happening in our private listeners community I'm going to start calling it a community because that's what it really feels like the answer to the question when you try to join is whiskey it is our favorite cocktail we think it counts whiskey over ice is a cocktail two (laughs) ingredients and of course don't forget to subscribe to deny just feed you wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode
1: our music is good old times by Alex Cohen provided by Jim Endo a humongous happy we love you so much thank you to our editor Samantha Gatsik I am Stacy.
0: And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed. Until next
1: week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. You can also find Stacy and Megan
0: on Facebook and Instagram as Didn't I Just Feed You.